Turns out he's a major cinephile. They don't watch enough movies! It's a very simple formula! And here we go. Had to take a week off from the podcast with a crazy busy week, but we're back with a vengeance, and not only with new-to-theater things, but also specifically Marvel things. The other mainstay of this podcast, outside of the horror genre, it may not be MCU, but there are some strong Marvel properties that exist outside of this massive shared universe. You know just how much I love those X-Men movies. Heck, I did two episodes on it. And that Thomas Jane Punisher movie, specifically the director's cut, is quite fire. And look, that was cool before it was trendy. So I figured with the latest Venom movie, Let There Be Carnage, it was finally time to get back to the first film from 2018. A movie I was just not sure about the first time through to get my take on it a few years apart. Having just seen the new one, let's see how Tom Hardy does in a role that may or may not, super spoilers ahead, have some role in the MCU one of these days. With all the Spider-Mans and the MCNU characters like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Punisher, and more. So let's see how this super symbiote of cinema's fares by himself or mostly by itself. Of course, we have some actors to note here. Tom Hardy, to start, is no stranger to the superhero roles. His bane is, while not widely celebrated in the movie as a whole for the Dark Knight trilogy, his performance was certainly appreciated. People were doing the Bane voice, Oh, the darkness, Batman, I was born in it, for ages back in 2012. I haven't seen a whole lot of Michelle Williams outside of Halloween H2O. I mean, I saw Shutter Island, not my favorite DiCaprio movie out there. I do have to see Greatest Showman one of these days that she's in that, apparently. Especially since I just discovered Yaha Abdul-Martin II is in it, too. Williams thankfully gets more time in the first movie. Her second outing feels a bit underused. Of course, we have to mention the two main villains in Riz Ahmed and Woody Harrelson, followed by Naomi Harris, who I can't wait for her James Bond swan song. Now, we love Riz Ahmed, but his humanitarian billionaire role just feels so hollow and generic most of the time, which is a huge shame for me. I mean... I vibed with his The Night Of character, and of course, he's great in Rogue One, one of the best stars moves to come out in a long, long time. We know how good Woody Harrelson is in everything. He will always be Tallahassee to me. Yes, anyone from Boardwalk Empire is golden for me, so even a small role for Stephen Graham is good. And lastly, remember when Jenny Slate was in the first one of these? I know, I kind of didn't remember in the slightest that she was a part of this. For sure forgot about her I mean look this feels a super left field for <laughs> Jenny Slate so to start with the 2018 Venom if you don't own it like me you have to pay like three bucks to rent it on Prime Video another one of those as much fun as as dancing Toby Maguire pointing and thrusting is let's try not to think of that version of Venom too much we will get to all the different Spider-Mans one of these days get me a picture of all the Spider-Mans but even in that version of Venom is in everyone's mind. Let's also not think too hard on, you know, how whiny Eddie Brock, played by Topher Grace, would be. Let's think of Tom Hardy. But I will do one little tie to those other early Spider-Mans. Family tie exists for J. Jonah Jameson has a son in this one who is one of the astronauts who is one of the first to encounter the symbiote creatures. 
with the MCU and Maguireverse, J. Jonah Jameson, played by J.K. Simmons. This leaves some interesting room for some potential stories with larger MCU ties and potentially moments and fallouts. It is still jarring to see Jenny Slate in a serious-ish, well, not necessarily movie, but for sure a role. And Riz Ahmed as a boring money guy really does feel weird. I have to say, the idea of seeing this movie is a bit uh, tone-confused, I would say, with seriousness and jokes. The balance never really feels sorted out. The movie really does try to be grounded in its first outing, especially early on. Also, random actor thing. You may not know who Ron Cephas Jones is by name, but if you've seen Mr. Robot, hopefully you have, or Luke Cage, for sure hopefully you have, you know who I'm talking about. Small role in both, but remember Mr. Robot? What a fun show that was. I know, right? We all actually watched something on USA Network, and it had both Rami Malek and Christian Slater, and there's many more quality actors in that. I think B.D. Wong's in that. I mean, I, I could go on and on, but it's a it's a good little little group there. I honestly forgot uh, in this movie what Tom Hardy's character did that was so bad that, like, broke up his perfect life with his perfect job, significant other, and all that stuff. You could say he has a cat, and heck, his curiosity kills his chance at a normal life, and the whole conflict of interest thing really screws him up a ton. I mean... I actually forgot that one really nice moment um, in this where they uh, try to humanize Riz Ahmed a little bit. You know, he's talking science to use and trying to inspire. I mean, that did that same thing with Alfred Molina to, you know, older people, but still to the youths. And look, part of the thing that they did with him that was so good, which is, you know, why they still people, I think, watchers when I think of all the Marvel properties, especially the older ones, which were a little iffy at times, they still will, you know, keep his Doc Ock role as one of the best superhero baddies of all time. And that's gotta be partly why he's back in some form in the Spider-Man multiverse hullabaloo. I do think the action scenes look good here. Honestly, at times, they feel a bit darker and more hardcore than the sequel elements have. But, you know, the schlepping around zombie storyline is just not the most interesting. And look, now that we've seen a Marvel Zombies, we can have something to compare it to. And even that wasn't perfect. But look, it was a 20-minute show version of it. We need a a full-fledged something to make that real good. I do think the movie tries to craft a well-rounded storyline with more support characters as opposed to the sequel. And things feel a little more realized. Look... Eddie has uh, a homeless friend who he has playful banter with that drives stakes later in the movie. He has a friendship with Miss Chen, which is, of course, back in the sequel as a highlight, but that's fun, too. You can see the mess of a life that he has, you know, in between his job thing and any symbiote things come into his life. I gotta say, every time uh, Riz Ahmed is seen as a bad scientist, you know, cold, dispassionate, I just super either don't believe it or I think it's way too predictable and generic. They did the same thing kind of with uh, some of the MCU villains. Corey Stoll from the first Ant-Man comes to mind. But still, I enjoyed parts of that villain enough. Maybe I just like Corey Stoll. As we've talked about, I do need to see the strain. Uh, Riz, I would see, feels more akin to villains like from the Dark World Thor movie and Ronan from the first Guardians, which is bad company to be in. And if you want to see Tom Hardy stumble around looking like crap, this is the right movie for you. They 
they really make him seem like garbage looking you know going through this crazy life transformation and it's like kind of nice and different about that I have to say somehow this movie I don't know how it it feels so different there's actually tries to do uh some like scare moments with Venom especially early on the Venom eyes on Eddie look great I overall the voice you know feels darker and spookier and the same with the tone I mean our rate of Venom would have been such a good move for me like the Deadpool thing could have been this as well. I would have been ecstatic for that. But we got what we got, so we got to talk about what we have. It does take a bit to get going in this movie. It feels like it's very progressively building, and it's a you know it's not a short movie. It's not long, but compared to it, it's not your one twenty one thirty. And when the action does get it, get it going on, you know, and then there's like the the humor between Venom and Eddie comes into play. Like, it gets much better as the movie goes. The Venom fight scenes look great. And even early on, the the jokes that Venom and Tom Hardy have are fun. And I love the delivery. The movie makes me ask a question about, like, early on, though. Right? This movie. Why so serious? Like, honestly, special effects for Venom just look good here, too. You know, the tone may be a little bit wonky, but those special effects really do help out. This feels like a much better version at times of, and maybe it's just because motorcycles and anti-heroes of the Nick Cage Ghost Rider, who recently I saw a thing where maybe they want to get the Wesley Snipes Blade and the Nick Cage Ghost Rider in some some project down the road, which would be something to behold. <laughs> the uh, healing parts, and I think they do this in Ghost Rider too, like some of the special effects in that look really good. When Tom Hardy is like busted body parts from falling, like the healing parts... Uh, look great you know venom eating head parts feels good here i wish there was you know more over the top violent action moments like a mortal Kombat or like a deadpool but you know i just wish we had more and they do subtle versions of it doesn't look like it's fully gone but it just feels like it's missing that that killer instinct at times and that's not to say there aren't good moments with what we had i mean venom taking out a swat team and having like him eat a smoke grenade it all looks cool and I will say Venom itself, the creature, looks very good effect-wise. Lady Venom, a.k.a. She-Venom, bites off a head too. A good chunk of head bites off scenes in this movie overall. And they all look a little better than they do in the second one. Which only briefly has, I think, one head get bitten off. Which feels like a little bit of a let-off. Uh, there is, uh, <laughs> She-Venom also has that fun like scene kissing off Venom between Michelle Williams and Tom Hardy. Williams does actually have a bit to do here. Not a ton, but some, I have to say, the big battle, right? That's the thing everyone looks for in the superhero movie. There's always some big battle, you know, between these these big alien symbiotes. It's a bit lackluster. It's a, it's not a huge CGI mess, but it's not it's not grand either. I remember not liking that. That might have been the biggest reason I was iffy on this movie in the first place was how the end was just kind of whatever. I don't feel like seeing. Uh, you know, a silver, shiny Venom that versus a normal Venom, it adds all that much. The special effects look good, it's just not interesting, I guess. I actually forgot that Williams, honestly, at times in this movie, does fill that Pepper Potts role a bit. Not to the same degree, but somewhat overall. The end battle has a moment you think Tom, Venom, and Riz all die. You know, the burning up in space death ain't bad. And honestly, the end of Venom, thankfully, surviving adds to the more fun symbiotic relationship we can come to expect and have come to expect with Tom Hardy 
having a love-hate marriage tiff with a CGI goopy black alien monster. And, you know, I, I think I, we, we talked about Pepper Potts in, like, you know, the first movie. She helped deal with uh, the Ironmonger villain. Then she very clearly helped out with all the drones in the second one. And she, for sure, went to town on the fake Mandarin villain. And Michelle Williams does, like, the, the sound thing, right? It's always going to be sound or fire in these Venom movies. And... She does something, but something's better than nothing. But I wish there was a little more for her to do. We'll see if they do a third one. I don't know. Third might be a a stretch for these. They might just throw this all in Spider-Man Call it a Day. This movie does end with a super fun tease to the sequel with Cletus Cassidy and Woody Harrelson as a pre-Carnage villain. It's a fun tease for what, of course, has kicked off this list of, you know, the inspiration for it. Woody Harrelson has some brutal hair in the sequel but it's hilariously even worse than the first iteration it's like carrot top and that's never a compliment also prison guard and everything wade williams known for prison break and a guard cop in both gangster squad and the dark knight rise movie is here as another prison guard so one final actor thing in the first half of these movies venom let there be carnage who just came out in 2021 Saw this in theaters before rewatching the previous movie, unlike what I was able to do with the Quiet Place episode, but you'll immediately notice off the bat that Venom 2 is a lot closer to a crisp 130 hour range as opposed to the 2 hour range. Most superhero movies almost default to the 2 hours plus these days thing. So Venom will feel a bit similar to the first film. The jokes, the humor is probably a little more there, and of course the, you know, hilarious banter between Venom and Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock. It feels like there's more of that here, and you get more of the married couple bickering between, um, you know, these two characters, and it's fun. It's great, and you love to see more of that here. It, the Venom voice also doesn't feel as aggressive in this one. It really feels like they're a little more, right, that symbiotic relationship. And the angle of their partnership on the rocks being only seen from one perspective super publicly is just funny. Not like all those times Harry Potter talked to snakes in his life and to a point we as the audience didn't know he was making wild snake noises and everyone was just thought he was doing who knows what. Hey, I'm Harry Potter. Hey, it's just, you know what I mean? Weird to think about. Uh, I would truly be fascinated to see. I just went through all the Harry Potters on HBO Max. Kind of tis the season to a degree. Like, what that story would have looked like if he was in Slytherin. I mean, I also need to read that eighth book script one of these days. I'm hopeful it will become a novel or a movie and not just a script, but I should get that eventually. So as someone who is going to very soon see the latest James Bond movie and the final chapter in the Daniel Craig era, something we need to discuss. Uh, maybe next week, we'll see. It's either between Welcome to the Bloom House or the Daniel Craig Bonds. I may want to save those for a full five episodes, week straight through month of James Bond. But I have to say, I feel that Naomi Harris didn't have a whole lot to do here. And I'm kind of disappointed in what her character was given to work with. But the idea of a character with loud sound powers in a world where that is a main weakness one of two of the symbiote characters is a lovely albeit mostly underused element of a seeming fun bonnie and clyde and carnage trifecta that never really got flushed out now i have to say i do love the majority of ads here i wish stephen graham could have been used a bit more huge fan of his work in of course pirates of the caribbean but more importantly his boardwalk empire role 
as Al Capone on a very strong and underappreciated HBO show. Obviously, the franchise has to replace Riz Ahmed with some new villain, some new goopy monster. And, you know, the idea of it being less corporate misguided would be a uh, a bit of a safer villain, right? That we all kind of come to understand. They threw in instead a more a true wild card who we were briefly introduced to in the first movie with Woody Harrelson's Cletus Cassidy, a.k.a. Carnage. Now, if there is one early takeaway I can think of from this whole movie, it had to be that this movie leaned into the wackiness a bit more. And honestly, Woody Harrelson is so weird and campy and fun, and I'm here for it. You would think in the era and time of MCU lore building and deep, dark DCU movies, which I like them both, something like this might get lost in the shuffle forgotten about or universally panned by either critics or the fan base but i truly hope this is not the case here i mean i really hope this movie is seen by those who would really enjoy it yeah some of the earlier non-mcu movies aren't so strong electra the second ghost rider which apparently also has Idris Elba, if people don't remember for sure the fantastic four movies you could say all three of them they weren't all bad though X-Men, Blade, some of the Spider-Mans, not that last Andrew uh, Garfield one. And the villain being this wild and out serial killer who has a passion for flashy suits, cars, and poetry. He's so zany and weird, but it is so much fun. The overall movie tone may not be for everyone, but it doesn't feel tone confused. It knows what it's doing, and it is a romp of a time. Look, we talk about Michelle Williams and H2O, one of the better Halloween movies. I feel like she had an important role in those, but neither movie here makes me feel like she was fleshed out enough. But I do love the She-Venom comeback. It just never feels the same as that Pepper Potts character that it feels like they're trying to build toward in the Iron Man franchise, who clearly had an aggressive hand in the downfall of all three movie villains in those solo outings. But yes, we should try to compare the MCU movies to these movies. Well, not yet at least. And the first movie clearly had the, you know, the journalist boss was kind of the the policing character of Eddie Brock in this time. And there was some cop stuff for sure that happened. I kind of wish they could have had Stephen Graham in the first one as like a face of a police detective thing during all this stuff. And yeah, that would have taken more and more time into the first Venom movie, which maybe didn't need much more. But even a brief thing in there would have been something... So it felt like maybe there was a you know mutual connection of, of Eddie having these things with cops that it just feels like it was thrown in in the second one. It made me feel like, oh, maybe it was in the first one, but watch it back. It's like, this doesn't exist. And you can only build backwards while building forward so much. But I feel like that would have been a nice touch if it could have been possible, unfortunately. It didn't happen. I really do feel like the connection between, uh, you know, Brock and Cassidy is far superior to the whole corporate whistleblower thing. And while I truly feel like the chemistry of our two semi-romantic pairs pales in comparison to these two, as well as the odd couple of Venom and Eddie Brock, honestly, the movie is at its best when it leans into that couple. These, like, little silly moments that pit our two leads butting heads. Uh, I like this movie is just weird and fun. And like the Purge movies, it's just a a huge time. It's not great, but it's fun. 
the conflict point of Brock uh, breaking the case and becoming journalistically famous again, although in a way less exaggerated element in, in the previous films where he clearly had this big office and all this stuff. It doesn't really feel like he ever really changed. He still looks like garbage and lives in a garbage apartment and all that stuff when he still is journalist famous Eddie Brock again. It's a little bit unbelievable. This movie is as weakest when it tries too hard with storytelling and air quotes realism. Now, Woody Harrelson was a blast as the weird but semi-grounded character in Zombieland 1 and 2, and he's even wilder and weirder here. He eats up every scene <laughs> as the quirky killing machine, and Carnage doesn't look that bad either, special effects-wise. Now, Carnage is not nearly as cool to watch and engage as Tom Hardy and the floating voice inside his head, sometimes outside of his head. The bit players are fun. The Hallmark movie villain equivalent of, you know, Dr. Dan is barely involved, but there's a few fun deeper cuts. I feel like they made him nerdier in this one, and the first one he seemed kind of built together a little bit. And of course, we do finally see Peggy Lou as the convenience store owner, Mrs. Chen, not only as herself late in the movie, but even as a Venom form of that, so it's super, super good. Once again, I feel like this would have been better served as an R-rated Marvel movie, just like Deadpool. The carnage, carnage, and venom head-eating would have been great to see in the violent setting that Deadpool kind of could play with. I genuinely feel, and maybe this is because, you know, MCU Marvel potential ties with Venom, not every Marvel movie needs this, but this movie really could have benefited from it. Every time I saw Carnage go on a rampage, I wished for more and more of these moments. That was a true disappointment, even more in this movie somehow. Now, seeing Venom at music festival thing with all these neon things, true breakup moment, experiencing, uh, you know, this partnership that made this, you know, a semi-romance story that was true fun and action-packed. And the reunion fight was also pretty good. And look, you could say, oh, it's parallels to Venom's going through a breakup and trying to find the right one, but he knew who the right one was all the time, and it was Eddie Brock. And it's a, it's a cute little moment. There were some good things, and his speech was pretty good at the concert music fest thing too this movie's not perfect but you're gonna have a good time and i have to say the end had some true surprises killing off cletus cassidy after a fairly tight ship runtime was obviously what had to happen it just caught me off guard and uh biting a guy's head off should have been r-rated moment and it just wasn't love andy Serk, especially acting wise but he and tom hardy should have made this violent fun fest that we needed now, if you want a surprise, and there was no greater surprise than the best of the end credit scenes we have seen in ages, and that is coming from someone who really liked the deep MCU Shang-Chi first one. Having Brock and Venom chilling and having a vacation for two before potentially sharing some deep symbiote lore, I mean, that would have been cool enough, but having another moment exist from the multiversal fracture that we've seen in WandaVision, Loki, maybe a little bit of this What If show, Venom 2, and eventually the Spider-Man sequel in December, TBD on Eternals. The Venom Let There Be Carnage movie has fun humor, some dark moments, a super campy Woody Harrelson, and of course, Tom Hardy looking like a mess the whole time, having a marital fight with a lumbering symbiote, but having a Spider-Man Far From Home J. Jonah Jameson played by J.K. Simmons TV soundbite, and having Venom recognize it all somehow, I love it, and explains how Michael Keaton can be in the Morbius movie. I love it all. But let's rank some movies here now, shall we? Letterbox rankings, reviews. Number two, 
gave it to Venom at 2.5 stars. At number one, Venom Let There Be Carnage at three stars. They're both watchable. I do think Venom tries to tell a better story, but Venom Let There Be Carnage is more fun. I think Woody Harrelson is given more to do and have a fun time. Some of the ancillary characters don't really do a whole lot in this movie that the first movie did. They're both fine. You're not blowing the doors off of either of these movies. They're both fun. But you just got to give Venom Let There Be Carnage a little more, even though it's probably a less exciting narrative structure than the first one was with a little less built-up elements. And it kind of leaned into weirdness, which maybe that's the best anyway. So that is the episode, folks. Let me know what you thought of the latest from Marvel with either Venom movie. Let's talk about the first one a little bit, but let's definitely talk about Let There Be Carnage. Hit me up on social. Influencer Nick trying to break into the game after all. TikTok, Instagram, Tumblr, Pinterest, YouTube, everything under the blue sea. All the social media platforms you could hope for. I'm on them. Nicknack underscore IC. Nicknack goes to the movies. Let's have a ball, chat some Marvel things, and uh, see you next time. As always, cinephiles, cheers. Are you not entertained? I think this is going to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I don't like goodbyes. Let's just call this see you later, alligator.